by telling my, my story, I am not hating you. The contrary. I want you to understand why I am angry at you. And there is a big difference between anger and hatred. Welcome to the Miko Peled Podcast. Mohamed Bakri has been a personal hero of mine for many, many years. He's a wonderful actor, a director, and a writer that has accumulated an enormous and very impressive body of work over the years. He produced the incredible documentary Janin Janin about the Israeli army atrocities in the Janin refugee camp in 2002. He's done incredible movies um, like uh, Wajib and Laila's Birthday and many, many others. This interview with him was one of my personal favorites, and I know you're going to enjoy it. Hamad Bakri, thank you so much for agreeing to do this interview. This is a big honor for me, um, and I know you're a busy man, so thank you very much. Thank you, Miko. Thank you. It's my honor, too. So I was thinking, when was the first time I heard your name, when I heard about you? And I don't know. My whole life, I knew about you. My whole life, I heard about Muhammad Bakri. And you know, I uh, grew up in a very Zionist Israeli family. Very Zionist Israeli family. My father, my grandparents, the whole thing, every day, all the time. But you were a big name. If you could talk just a little bit about your background, where you were born, your education, what it was like, where, you know... I was born in a very small, very, very, very small place, Khushi, it's called in Arabic, which is uh, um, made of mud, uh, uh, not, not, not even stone, not even, it's, it's made by mud and a uh, uh, very, very poor place. And uh, I, Remember, we were me and my father and my mother and my grandmother uh, and my grandfather together in the same very small room. In the, why did you in, decide to study acting? I never know why. I never knew why I want to be an actor. In the village, in, in my village, Elbeni, there was a man called uh, Yusuf Boulos. And he was an electric engineer, and he uh, created a cinema in the village. He brought a, a, like a generator, a generator. Yeah. And there was no electricity in the village, as I told you. And he made this cinema. He made the screening of films from Hollywood, from directly from. I I I remember that I saw. Uh, gun with the wind when I was like 10 or 12 years old yeah. in the village. Yeah. I remember that when I was 16 or 17 years old, I saw Z by Costa Gavras in the village, in, in, the, in that cinema. And he was a crazy man. He has blue eyes and a very, very, very high sense of humor. And uh, he was translating the films simultaneously with a small microphone 
uh, he was holding the, the, the microphone in that window where the projector is coming out and putting his head and looking at the screen and, and translating the film simultaneously with his voice and with his voice was louder than the voice of the cinema, you know. So we, get, we got used to him because he was so funny because he was swearing, Yamikalel, uh, he was swearing, he was not just translating. He was, you know, inside the, 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 the story and he was, wow, the bastard said to him like that and he fucked him now. And it was very funny. And one day later on when he was sick or something and he didn't come to translate, nobody enjoyed the film anymore because he was not there. It's so used to his voice. He was <laughs> very, very high tenor voice like that. So I fall in love in cinema with cinema since I was, I think, five or six years old. Yeah. So the first time I came to Tel Aviv, it was in 1973 when I was uh, almost 19. That was where you went to theater school in Tel Aviv? Yes, in the university. I came to the university, still there was no electricity in the village. So wait a minute, 1973 in yes. Vane, which is supposedly Israel, and you are Israeli citizens, and yes. your village has no electricity yet. No electricity. 1973. Yes. I, yes. It, I was oh, born yes. in 1961. I never saw a house without electricity. Yeah. Of course, I never saw a Palestinian house, but you know what I mean. I didn't see electricity only in the university. Not before. Wow. 1973. One day I came home, I think in 1975, maybe four or five, and there was electricity in the village. And I knew that my father, he was the, the chief of the municipality the mayor Rosha Moatza. oh head of the music head of the council of the, the, yes and he brought the electricity to the village the first time wow so from this so, place to that place it was like to move from uh, a small village in uh, in uh, india to new york the same thing so you went to theater school at where, Tel Aviv University? Yes. And uh, my, my, my teachers, I think all of them, all of them loved me very much, especially Nola Shelton, my, my teacher, Jewish from New York, from Manhattan. And she's alive until now. I visited her two weeks ago. Now she is 99 years old. And uh, she asked me to see Jeanine Jeanine because she didn't see it. And I sent her, uh, just today, I spoke with a friend of her, young man Israeli, who, who will show her the film on the computer today or tomorrow. So she hasn't seen it yet? No. She so you didn't. don't know what she's going to, okay. We'll talk about Janine Janine later, but okay. She hasn't about it, but she never saw it. Yeah, yeah. So she was, uh, 
she has a, a very nice student. His name is Gidi, who studied in, in, in Tel Aviv before I came. And he was killed in 1973. In the war? In the war. Oh, and she loved him very much. And she sometimes, I felt that sometimes she saw me like that soldier who killed Gidi, because I'm an Arab. And sometimes she saw me like Gidi himself. That's so, I was totally, totally confused and crazy because one did, you arrive, did you arrive at the university after the war or before the war? After the war. In the same year, in uh, October or uh, November, at the same year of the war. Yeah, I mean, maybe two or three months after the war. After it started, you mean? Or yes. after it finished, yeah. Started. In the university, uh, I burned all my ships behind me. It's like uh, I was in a, in, 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 a, in a ship in the sea. I came to a place, a new place, from the village to, the, to this place. And I burned my ship because I decided not to go back there. I wanted to study and to succeed. I had a very big ambition to succeed as an actor. And that's what I did with yes. Nola. And Nola, uh, in the first, uh, the first time I, I, I appeared in the theater, it was uh, 1977, I believe, 77 or 78, in a very famous play by Arthur Miller, A View from the Bridge. Yes, of course. And this was in Hebrew, or where was this? In Hebrew. In the theater. There was no Arabic theater. So your first play out of so your first play out of theater school was Arthur Miller in Hebrew yes. in Tel Aviv? Yes. Why was yes. all over? Why all over? It was very big success very big success we did it more than 800 times and that was uh, my first uh, meeting with israeli audience wow and now everybody knew that you were Arabi or palestini right yeah and you were the only palestinian in the in the ensemble because yeah i have the blue eyes and uh, yeah. a nice looking they thought i am uh, Israeli, or they never think that I am an Arab. They uh, thought so I am uh, European or something like that. I mean, the Israelis. Yeah. And every time they were shocked uh, to, to, to understand or to, 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 to find out that I am an Arab. But, uh, you know, as I listen to you speak, like, like, you know, from the moment where you describe where, how and where you were born and how there was no electricity until 1973. And then you are in this theater ensemble doing uh, Arthur Miller in Hebrew in Tel Aviv. And people don't realize 
you know, in Israel, Israelis don't say Palestinian. We used to say Arabi, Arab. The word Palestinian didn't enter until much later, um, especially not the Palestinian citizens. And the real, and you know, we don't, we never saw you. We didn't know you exist, and we certainly didn't know you exist in a different world. Like you say, coming from a small village in India to New York, we didn't know that the small village in India existed right uh, half an hour drive, you know? So I'm just telling you how, what I'm seeing and what I'm thinking while you're telling this incredible story. And uh, coming from where you came and then your first play is a translation into Hebrew of Arthur Miller. I think we need a minute here to let this sink, you know? So let this sink in mm -hmm. because it's, it's a huge, it's, it's, it's a, it's a huge leap. It's an incredible step. It's uh, it's hard to believe. So how long before you started working in Arabic and doing uh, theater in Arabic? The first time I did theater in Arabic, it was 10 years later. 10 years 1986. later. 1986. When I was ripe politically, when I understood who I am and what I want and why I'm doing theater and why I'm dealing with movie and cinema, only then I decided to make a theater in Arabic to tell my own story. I remember vividly you are, I think at a, uh, some demonstration I think it's around the time of the Janin, uh, the, uh, the, the, you know, the Israeli army went to the Janin, they went to the West Bank, they made some terrible attacks there. And a soldier throws a grenade into the people. And you say, well, if, if this is what they're doing in front of the cameras, we should go inside and see what is happening without the cameras. Do I remember correctly? That's right. And then you go in and you make a movie called Janin Janin. Right. And that changes your life completely. And when you did the interview a few weeks ago on uh, Instagram with Adam, your son, interviewing you, That's wonderful, lovely. wonderful interview. Oh, thank you. There's a moment there where you tell him something that is sh very shocking. And I told this to other people since I saw it. And the look on their face is the same. It's the same thing, the same shock that I felt. Yes. After the movie, you go back to Janine and you're in a taxi. And the yes. taxi driver is from the camp. And what does he tell you? He told me, he said, uh, you was the one who made Janine. Janine, I said, yes. He said, you made the bullshit. I said, what? He said, you made the bullshit. It's nothing. What are you telling me, Janine, Janine? Nothing of the truth. Very small thing you told me. According to what happened here, comparing to what really felt, you did nothing. Bullshit. False. False. So on the one hand, the Israeli press and the Israeli public and everybody's going crazy and it's been almost 20 years now and it's still not finished and we'll talk about what happened. And this guy who's from the camp is telling you, you haven't even shown enough. This was bullshit because you only showed a small fraction. Yes, that's right. 
That is uh, makes you crazy, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, but he is not representing the, the Palestinian. No, I understand that, of course. But obviously, you can't show everything, and you have to make whatever yeah, you show. No, to I, make. I was really shocked because I I felt like somehow betrayed by him. But uh, I could understand him because uh, the film is not harsh. Comparing to the reality. Talk about that. Talk about the film. Talk about what you saw. I met a woman there that she lost 10 sons in the camp. She has 10 sons. All of them were killed. All of them. 10. And when I was trying to interview her, she was laughing. I was uh, like, how come she laughs? I couldn't use her in the film. Now, I'm sorry that I didn't use her because she was crazy. That's why she laughed. She was not normal. And she was laughing like a crazy woman. Every question I asked her, she was laughing. With very big eyes and very big teeth. And I didn't understand that. Because I was also under the pressure of trauma. I saw things that I didn't put in the film. Many things. Horrible stories that I thought it's too much. I cannot do it. I want the people, especially the Israelis, to watch the film and to, un to understand that it's impossible to live with that, to continue living with this occupation. I wanted to make a film about the global punishment that uh, the army do for every time there is a, uh, an operation, uh, Israel operation. The people who are paying the price is not specific people. Is the whole community, the global punishment. That's what I wanted to show according the witnesses, the people who told what they told me from all ages, from all generations. <laughs> and the Israeli media and uh, They say how long, how long were you in the camp? How long were you in the camp? How much time were you there? Five days. So you went in and out every day? Four nights. No, I was there all the time. You slept in the camp? Yes. Four days and a half. I was sleeping in the camp. I never left the camp. Since the moment I came in until I finished shooting because 
it was closed. I couldn't go and come back because it was a military closed place, you know. They, they closed everything with tanks and with the army around. So how did you how did you get in with all the equipment? I sneaked in I like uh, You snuck in how? Can you describe it? Uh, yes, I I, I I rent a car four and four and we went through the mountains. We could be killed in in every moment because there was no street. We we go on the Baharim, Masanu Bahar. And when we saw tank, we were hiding. And when the tank crossed, we go. And then another tank, we hiding. And that's the way. It took me like five, six hours to get uh, to Geneva. It's half an hour by car. In, in a common day. I mean... So... That's the way. And when did everything explode in Israel? What happened? What was the thing that made everything explode? And what was the explosion? What happened? What did, who did what? Who made this? Such I, a I, the first screening in the Cinematheque of Jerusalem, it was in the 29th of uh, October 2002. And I think you show that in the movie since you've left. Right, right. right? Yes. There is a scene from there, yes. And it was full house in uh, Jerusalem Cinematic, and uh, the people were crying. They were shocked. The, I mean, the audience, the Israeli audience. And I saw many eyes with many tears at that screaming. Tears, people crying. And when I came to the, to the stage to speak with the people, it was like a very big silence. I didn't know what to say. And at least I said, I feel sad for you and for myself. I feel sad to make this film. And I can understand how, how sad you feel. And I respect that very much. I'm very sorry. If anybody has any question, I, I will answer. The people were silent. Nobody speak, everybody was crying. And then I said, okay, so we go home. But before I left the, the, the stage, Leah, the director of uh, the cinematic, she died a few years ago. She was a very nice woman. She hugged me and I was going, uh, leaving the stage almost. And then somebody came, the keeper, his head. And I have respect to, to people who ask keeper. I don't know why, because maybe because I respect religion. Uh, I don't know. I have like weakness to people who are religious. And he said, I want to. I, so I gave him the microphone. And he started saying, this film is uh, lies, all of the film are lies. This is propaganda. And he started attacking me and the film. And the people in the audience started shouting at him. Red Mabama, you are killer. You are children killer. Red Mabama, go out. We don't want to listen to you. 
Who was David, he? David Sangan, his name. But what does he have to do with the story? He pretended that he was a doctor in, in Jenin during the operation. He pretended, he wasn't really. He said, I think he, yes, he was. He, I think he, yes, he was there. Why he must say that if he was not there? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He said, I was a doctor in, in Jenin and all what you see is lies, all lies. And there was a big noise suddenly, and the people wanted to grab the microphone from him, physically. And I stopped them. I said, please don't, let him talk. But he didn't stop talking. Like 20 minutes, and people were fighting him to stop him. And then, Day after a big demonstration in Tel Aviv, it was in the cinematic of Tel Aviv. He brought many people from the he himself, from the right wing, and then started all that uh, noise. And he wrote uh, in Ma'ariv in the newspaper, seven lies of Jenin Jenin, that he shows in the film that there are seven lies. Now it's not seven lives, it's all lies. Not only seven lives. It became all the film lies after you, all. You said before that the people watching the film were very quiet and very sad and they were crying. Very moved. What do you think made them sad? These are Israeli audience. This is an Israeli audience. Yes. I think that they felt, they felt guilty. They felt guilt. And I said, I, I remember what I said on the stage. I said, if I was in your shoes, I was feeling the same. Because it's really hard to feel guilty for something that you didn't do. To be a part of the global guilt, it's not good. It's like a German who was born after the war and he is accused that he was behind the Nazism. What he has to do with that? German who was born 20 years after. Or even German who was at that time in Germany, but he was not a part of the Nazism. How he will feel? If I was German, me, Mohammed Bakri, I was feel shame until today. Even if I have nothing to do with that. But the global guilt will make me shy, will make me bad, feeling bad. I believe that the good Israelis, and there are good Israelis like you, and many other good friends of me, will feel bad. Because they don't want to be a part of this, of this ugly occupation. And I heard you say, they have I nothing heard, to do with that. I heard, must, you, I, I heard you say. I, I must respect these people. I mustn't ignore the, these people because they are exist. <coughs> One of the most moving articles that was written about me and the film was by Gideon Levy two weeks ago. How can I ignore that? 
And I told I told this in the Palestinian TV to show the people in Palestine, the occupied Palestine, that there are very few Israelis who fight for me more than Palestinians, and they are exist even if there are few people. Even if you know, you said in one interview, I heard you say more actually I heard you say this many times that you made the movie so that Israelis will see what happened in the, in the camp and that you were very surprised by the response that has been going on for 20 years now almost. Yeah. And I want to ask you a question that's a little bit difficult. Yeah. Um, so you were born, you're Palestinian of 1948. Mm-hmm. You know the story of 1948. In fact, you made a movie about your aunt. Right. Right, and she talks about the ethnic cleansing, and she talks about uh, the horrors of 1948 and coming and going. So you know, and you lived and you worked with Israelis. The reality of the Nakba started in 1948, but really never stopped. And Israelis, you know, we are raised to be very proud of 1948 and everything that we did until today. And Janine, when you compare the story of Janine to the Nakba, 1948, and many others, Kufr Kastam and Gaza, and on and on, that doesn't end, right? Janine is one small story. And we all live with this. And uh, we never, I mean, a few people criticize, but mostly as a society, we are very proud of the army. We are proud of the security forces. We are proud of, you know, in general. Yeah. So why did you think Israelis would want to know this? Because they know what has happened. Everybody was either serving in the army, has a brother who's serving in the army, an uncle serving in the Shabak. Everybody as a society are still participating in what has happened in Jenin, but everywhere throughout Palestine and Lebanon. As Israelis, as a society. It's not a secret. It's not that like you compared it to the Germans. Well, Nazism stopped. I mean, the World War II stopped. The Holocaust was brought to an end. This never stopped. Nakba, the killing. After Janin, you know, we remember Janin thanks to you and to your movie. That's why we still talk about Janin. And that is, I think, a huge, a huge contribution that you made to all of us. Otherwise, we wouldn't be talking about Janine. But since Janine until today, there are how many more massacres and how many more atrocities committed? And all Israelis either participated or have somebody close to them. So what made you think that Israelis will want to know this or will accept this movie since they know it already and they don't seem to make any change? I've been wanting to ask you this question for a very long time. No, no, it's very important. And And it's a difficult question, I know. I know I'm pushing here a little bit. I'm trying to analyze and to think in a loud voice and tell you why I continue to do films like Jenin Jenin to show the Israelis. First, I have children. And I want my children to live in peace. I don't want them to suffer the same way I suffered 
and my people suffer. First, because if I do not tell my story, the desperation will be larger and larger. And desperation creates suicide. I don't want my people to suicide. I want them to think about the full cup and not the empty one. I choose to be optimist. And I, I, as I said in the film, since you left to my friend Emil Habibi at the end, I create hope from nowhere in order to live. And I believe that the Israeli is not different from any people in the world. They are frightened. They are scared. They are brainwashed. They are told that everybody hates the Israelis. They are told by the Zionist movement and by the Israeli government all over the years that the Arabs are primitives, are animals, they want to kill them, and the Palestinians are very aggressive and very violent and they want to kill the Jews, they want to drink the blood of the Jews. The Holocaust is supporting this lie from behind, in the background. So I must be their psychologist. I must calm them down. I don't want to kill you. By telling my, my story, I am not hating you. The contrary, I want you to understand why I am angry at you. And there is a big difference between anger and hatred. Anger creates hope because it's like, how do you say, the waves when it, the, the, the sea is big, there are the white thing. Yeah, after everything is going calm. This is the anger. It's not laying, it's not hatred. It's coming and going and disappearing. I don't want you don't want the anger to turn into hatred, yes. Yes, because if it takes time, it's become like uh, infection. It's hard to deal with it. I believe it's still young. It's still fresh that we can deal with it. 70 years, 75 years. There are some nations who were fighting hundreds of years. 
And now they are okay. After all, I don't think that people like the German or the German like the French or the French like the American, but they see they, they live together. I want to create a new life, a new world by telling my story and saying I am and I'm not your enemy. Well, I think you say it very clearly and you say it in a very beautiful way. And even a movie like Janine Janine is very, very painful to watch. And you show terrible things. But even that movie, I think, um, to me, it seems like it is a huge contribution that you made so that we never forget. And never forget something like Janine, the people you show, the children, um, is extremely important. And, I, and I, I, I agree with you. I think that's how you create the hope. I want to talk about another thing you did that has to do with the story of... Uh, Miko, I don't think that I answered... Uh... I, I answered enough your question because your, your question is it was one program one hour to answer this question more than one hour so give me just a minute okay You know, you are not the only person who asked me this question. My wife too. You know, she told me one day, aren't you tired of trying to prove to the Israelis that you are a human being? Aren't you tired? At the first moment, I didn't find the answer because it was like a slap. But I told her and I'm telling you and I'm telling everybody, I am not tired. They want me to be tired. They want me to be desperate. They want me to stop doing things like I did. They want me to stop telling my story. They want to stop me smiling. They want to steal my love and my hope and my creation, my art. I'm not tired and I will never be tired. I'm sick, but not tired. They succeeded to make me sick physically, but not spiritually. Never, never. I'm sick, okay. 
So I take pills, I take medication. It's fine. Where do you find the spiritual strength? How is it that spiritually you are not sick, that you can continue? Where, do you, where does it come from? From my love to my children. From my love in general. From love. From, from love and respecting the other. The other people. Because Everybody has a mother and everybody has a father and everybody has memories in life and different world. I cannot cancel it. I cannot ignore that. We must, I mean, Jews, Armenians, Kurdish, Palestinians, Ethiopians, Alabinim, all the people who are oppressed in the world have the same common mother and the same, the same the same elements that make us all and never it's never mind what the language we talk about we talk we use or the place we are living or born in never mind and i believe that the, the israelis I, I, as i told you are not different from anybody they were not born occupiers. Child is not born with a gun in his hands. He born and he wants to mill to, to, to have uh, the breast of his mother, not the gun. He's not different from my child. In the way, they put a gun in his hands. Who's they? In the way, they, 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 the people who has the power, the people who has the money, the people who has the interest to, to rule and to continue with this war for their own interest. Most of the people in Israel and all over the world want peace. Even the Jews, the Israelis who don't want to listen to my story because somebody is pushing them and say, no, he is liar, as they did with me in Janine Janine. We all thank you for shedding light on so many experiences uh, with your amazing work, really wonderful work. And I can't thank you. It's been almost two hours. And I have to thank you from the bottom of my heart for giving me your time like this so generously. 
and this must be very I want to thank you. I really want to thank you that you gave me the opportunity and the stage to tell what I have in my heart. Thank <laughs> you.